There's a monkey on my back as I sleep. Can't dream. Instead, I'm in fear for my life. The night hag whispers as I pay the price. Sinking its claws, or is it the teeth? Into my shoulders as I start to weep. You cry for a soul with strife? Said the demon with a kiss. I saw the light. I muster my pride to make peace. How bold you are to assume you're done. Reflecting on life as it flashes in time. The pest reminds me of what's to come. You're dead, remember to still be alive. You'll miss the moon just chasing the sun. When you're wide awake, it's only to strive. The Monkey by yours truly, Dermaine. Welcome, this is episode six of the Composition Podcast, the last episode of the month. Happy Black History Month again to you. Um, I hope you're out there learning, out there striving. Um, that's pretty much the gist of what the poem is about, just remembering that you know each day is a set of hours for you to try to accomplish what you can with your life while you have it, because sooner or later you won't. And let's just try our best to be remembered. I feel like I'm starting this episode off a little bit sad. That's really not <laughs> my goal, but um, yeah, I woke up one day after like a fucked up night tear. And whenever I wake up super early, I just always get these urges to write. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, I had like a, a, a fucked up dream and I just woke up and just like was thankful to, you know, still be here. And it, it was almost as if I could like see myself not being able to wake up. I'm pretty sure we've all been there. You know exactly what I'm talking about if you've been there. So when I woke up, I just decided to write about it. And that's what I got out of it. Uh, again, it's called The Monkey. You can find that on my website for sure. If you if you fucking with that. Again, happy Black History Month. Um, I guess I should have some black history details right here to drop. But I, I really, really don't. Um, with pop culture for this week, the Rams won the Super Bowl. I'm a little bit disappointed, so I don't really have too much to say. Although I called the Rams winning. I told you all last week that I placed a few bets on the game. Five to be exact. And because the game is over and because I ended up canceling every single bet that I placed, I'm kind of fucked up about it, yo. I told myself, you know, this isn't really, this ain't really me sports betting. I don't really know what I'm doing too much. I mean, all of my bets <clears throat> were kind of, you know, clear cut, straightforward. I said, you know, it's my first time. It's the Super Bowl. Let me just enjoy the game. Do you fucking know that all of my bets came through? These were my bets. Rams by between 12 and 17. I actually don't think that one came through. I don't remember what the score is right now, but um, I don't think that one came through. That Rams score first touchdown. Yeah, I think the game was what? 20 to 17? Some close shit. I think it was 20 to 17. But yeah, the bets were Rams by between 12 and 17. Rams score first, first touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr. to score first touchdown. Matthew Stafford for Super Bowl MVP. And Aaron Donald for two sacks. 
Now, if I remember the game correctly, Rams scored the first touchdown. It was Odell Beckham Jr., Matthew Stafford won MVP, and Aaron Donald had two sacks. Now, when I initially went to place these bets, I placed $50 per bet. So right now, I'm four for five. All of you fucking gambling fucks, you know what I would have won. So, you know, that kind of kind of bummed me out all week. I'm not going to lie to you. That really fucked me up. Um, again, shout out to the Rams for winning that shit. It kind of, it actually didn't really go exactly how I planned. I thought uh, the Rams defense was going to completely dominate the entire time. And although they did, it kind of took them a, a minute to get on. Once they activated Aaron Donald, for whatever reason, they upset that man. Once he hit Joe Burrow on the sideline and um, there was like the little scuffle between teams, it was, it was up from there. Shit started to get real. Von Miller had a hell of a performance. Joe Burrow did great, though. Like, for, for what he could do with what he had, I'm not even mad at him. So, yeah. Shout out to Joe Burrow, too. Um, yeah, with the halftime show, I thought it was really, really interesting. All of the performers killed it. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, 50 Cent, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Mary J. Blige. Fucking hip-hop history right there. I actually didn't expect the, the 50 Cent cameo, the pop-up, was really, really dope. Him hanging upside down. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was fucking hilarious, actually, because 50 Cent isn't 50 Cent at fucking 23, 24 anymore, but he's still fucking 50 Cent, so what are you really going to say to him? Um, Kendrick Lamar was dope. It was great seeing him perform after fucking being under, uh, under a rock for four or five years. I thought Mary J. Blige really killed it. Uh, I liked her being the, the off-put to everybody else. And her especially performing the song she performed. It was, it was really different. But, you know, the biggest takeaway from the halftime performance, besides everybody killing it, shout out to everyone that performed, it was Eminem kneeling during his uh, segment of the performance. And he actually kneeled for a really long fucking time, too. <clears throat> It was announced after the game that the NFL specifically told Eminem not to kneel during his performance. And it's fucking Eminem. That's probably exactly why he knelt in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick and his whole movement. Really bold. Eminem has always been really bold with his support of not only hip-hop, but just African-American rights and African-American culture. So... Aside from how you might feel about Eminem as a rapidy, rapidy rapper, that nigga's down. Shout out to him, especially during this time, during Black History Month. That was that was epic. Like all too often, we forget just because we have entertainment in our faces that you know we still go through real shit. So, shout out to Eminem, who's the biggest star in the world, for even still having the wherewithal to remind us of, you know, what we go through. All too often, nowadays, we just get caught up in what we have and what we're doing and not really the plight of all of us. So, yeah, definitely shout out to Eminem. Um, just look at the world right now. It's getting crazy. Not only with 
our own surroundings, but internationally. It's, it's millions of people fighting plights all together. Uh, the biggest story right now internationally is Russia's advancement into the Ukraine starting to get really, really serious. Um, aside from the Twitter jokes and everything that's going on on social media, and trust me, it's fucking hilarious. These World War Three jokes are really, really funny. My favorite one was um, the one with, if we go to war, we have to start with the people that stormed the Capitol. All the Capitol insurrectionists have to be on the front line. I thought that was absolutely fucking hilarious. But, you know, us as people, we have to find some way to cope with our realities. So I get that. I understand that. But, you know, just always remember to think about, reach out, and pray for uh, not only the people in your immediate surroundings, but all of your loved ones, all of your family, even people that you don't know. Like, if you can reach out, if you can help, if you can just give them prayer, really, just continue to do that. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Of course, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But, you know, my only thoughts would be with these two countries, Russia and Ukraine, being just like really international. Not, how do I want to say this? Being countries that, you know, intake a lot of international dealings and have uh, people that deal a lot internationally, like, with Russia, there's a lot of fucking, there's Russian hockey players all over the world, especially in America. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, where the divide comes in with people outside of the immediate conflict, where the stance is going to be with everything going on. We'll, we'll see how that unfolds. But again, just prayers for everybody that you know that might be uh, like immediately or not immediately affected by anything that might be going on around the world. Shit is getting crazy, right? Well, if I haven't made you sad already, <laughs> which I feel like I have, allow me to make you sad right now. Everyone's favorite show, definitely one of the most popular shows since it premiered on FX, whenever it premiered on FX, but uh, this would be the final season of Atlanta Donald Glover's hit TV series starring himself, Lakeith Stanfield, Zazie Beats. It's it's gonna be the final season. Just saying that uh, feels crazy because it still feels like a brand new TV show. Um, this is only what gonna be the third season coming up, and this is gonna be the final one. That's absolutely heartbreaking because I thought it was really, really starting to get into a good groove. And then all of them between uh, the last season and the premiere of this forthcoming season all turned into stars in their own rights. Literally, all four of the uh, leading stars in this show have all become stars outside of the show. And, you know, that's why... Or at least that's why we thought the show was taking so long. And us as fans, we were patient. Like, this shit is dope. You know, all of you are thriving in your own careers. Cool, we'll wait. And now we're being told that this is going to be the final season. So, that's fucked up. So, definitely enjoy it while you can. Um, but, of course, I'm pretty sure they're all going to go on to 
continue to strive individually. Like, uh, when it was announced that fucking Donald Glover was going to be in Star Wars, I knew he was the fuck out of here. So, yeah, definitely shout out to all of them. The last season premieres, I believe, March either 22nd or 24th. I could be wrong. Something like that. But it is coming up. Definitely go check that out. Uh, our book for this week is going to be Pimp by Iceberg Slim. Really interesting story. I didn't want to do the traditional, we all have to learn something extremely positive for Black History Month. Like, give us great, great history. But, you know, this is still black history, and I think it's important to share this story. So I definitely read it. Um, where did I first get suggested about? Actually, I saw it in the Amazon bookstore just walking around, and then I remembered it from the Dave Chappelle stand-up. Uh, but, yeah, I went into this fucking Amazon bookstore, and this book was, I think, in like two or three different spots. So clearly they were promoting it. So I said, I'm going to give it a try. Definitely a good book, an interesting book, but if I'm being completely honest, a very confusing fucking book. Reading this book has <laughs> showed me that I'm either still wet behind the ears or it's just certain shit that I'm just not cut out for. Like, <laughs> um, You have to be of either a certain ilk or have a certain understanding of a lot of shit to really really know what's going on in this book there, there's a glossary in the back of the book with um translations for all of the terms in the book but trust me when i tell you this book is like reading fucking i don't even know what to compare it to i can't say i don't want to be disrespectful and say it's like reading the bible but there's so many um synonyms there's a synonym for every word in this book like, let me be a little bit more specific. Everything is in slang form. It's really a, if you know, you know type of book. You have to have uh, understanding of what he's saying to be able to just process the information. Uh, when I read the excerpt, I might be fucking it up when I'm reading it. Because it's, it's interesting, man. He talks about his rise and his fall and in pursuit of becoming the best pimp in the world, the most notorious, the most notable pimp. And it really just makes you think about people that pursue being the greatest of something or the perception, pursuing the perception of being the greatest of something. How much time and how much dedication and how much detail and effort and sacrifice really goes into being the best. And that's really all this book is about is what are you willing to do? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to take? And for him, it was a fucking lot. As I read the book, I'm just asking myself, yo, is it worth it? Like, what are you doing? Like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? For example, sorry, spoiler alert, but this is in the book and it just fucked my head up. So he catches a charge. And if I remember correctly, the charge was of something like white slavery. But pretty much it was when these black pimps would be caught with, uh, and this is in the 40s, 50s, 
when these black pimps would be caught with white girls, they would charge them with something called white slavery. Now, I'm not sure if that's like exactly correct, but that's how I remember it from the book. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure what that is. I guess I could have did some research on that. But yeah, he catches a white slavery charge, da 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 da. And I think he's sentenced to a year in prison. Now, nobody wants to go to prison, of course, but he gets one year in prison for some shit called white slavery. <laughs> you would think he would just, you know, bite the bullet and just take his L. But he does everything, absolutely everything in his power to break out of prison. And he's successful with it. And it completely fucks my head up. Because it's like, yeah, you're risking a lot to get what you want. And he got what he want, what he wanted. He got like he broke out of prison. Fucking ridiculous. Re definitely go check that out. But I'm going to just keep going with the spoiler. He gets caught 13 years later after he breaks out of prison. And now he's back in prison for even longer. He has to finish the first bid and then some for like... Ah, it just fucks my head up. Like, you could have just did your year and came home and then continued to do whatever it is you had to do. There's so much you could have learned, could have got your whole head together, came back with a new game plan for how you want to attack whatever it is you wanted to do. But, no, he was focused on what he wanted at the current moment, and he was just strong on that. So, it's things like that that make you think about, you know, how you move about what it is you do in your life. Um, how you want to process what you go through and for people like this for like people that live this type of lifestyle everything has to be on go everything has to be about the next decision so I understand it but it's fucking crazy so again this book is called Pimp by Iceberg Slim it is from Cash Money Content yes that is right Cash Money Content you know who they are <clears throat> And it is 298 pages from chapter one to the glossary. There's the glossary, of course, and then there's a preface before the first chapter. But um, it's not too thick of a read. It's just, it's very cryptid. You really have to be able to de decipher what he's saying and process it for yourself. But um, dope book, for sure. My excerpt for today it's going to come from chapter 14, The Mistake, pages 211 to 214. I'm just going to jump right in and start reading. And hopefully uh, you can just pick up on what's going on, but I'll explain it after. It's really interesting. So again, if you have your book with you, page, pages 211 to 214, chapter 14. Let's go. She shouted, Nigga, you were a raggedy, nowhere scarecrow until you got me. You didn't have no wills. You muscled me for mine. Nigga, I'm the bitch that made you great. Without me, right now you'd go to the bottom fast as shit through a greasy funnel. I made a bad mistake. I should have maybe used Top's jellied skull technique to get rid of her. Instead, I left hooked her hard as I could against the jaw. There was a pop like a firecracker going off. She fell to the carpet in a quiet heap. 
I kicked her big rear end a dozen times. I walked to the elevator. I looked down the hall. I saw Ophelia and Chris dragging her toward the apartment. The runt got her broken jaw wired up. She split with Ophelia. Chris said she tried to take two of the newer girls with her too. I made a pimp's classic blunder. I had blown a tired bottom bitch in the rough. Carmen was an easy cop. A pimp wants everybody who can hump his pockets fast. He's in real clover when he cops a fine young whore who wants him. Carmen really wanted me. She was starting with Chris. Six months later, Sweet called me early in the morning. His voice was laced with excitement. I jerked erect in bed. He said, Berg, I got a wire the FBI is nosing around some of the broad lockups. They're quizzing whores. Your name has been cracked more than once. It looks like they already got a solid beef to go on. It's my guess they're trying to build a five or six count rap against you. I said, sweet, I bet it's that stinking runt. Christ, sweet, I've sent her and Ophelia across state lines a dozen times since the war started. They're trying to ram a white slave rap into me, sweet. What would you do? He said, I would give one of those nice sweet jokers on the west side expense scratch and a ball peen hammer. I tell him as soon as I read they was found in an alley with their skulls caved in, he could get a cinch two grand. It would be easy to trap him. They're whores. He'd be just another freakish trick wanting to party with two whores. Tell you what, Bird. Get them whores out of that crib over there fast. Move out of your pad today. Go groundhog. Switch your whores to new stomping grounds. Stay out of the street after you move. Call me when you get out of there. He hung up. I thought, I'm a sucker. I should have destroyed the runt tops way. I moved the stable myself to new pads by seven that night. Chris, my new bottom woman, was the only one in the family who knew the reason for the move. I took the hog and put it in the garage I rented from an old widower. The garage was behind his house in a respectable neighborhood. I got a cab to one of my stuff connections. I was going underground. I had to have at least a piece of stuff. I had copped and was walking down the street looking for a cab. I passed a barber shop. I got a glimpse of the white spatted dogs of a joker and the barber's chair next to the window. I thought, geez, that square joker is pitiful. He ain't hip spats went out with high button shoes. I was walking fast. I had the sizzle on me. I needed a cab in the worst way. I was almost a half block from the barbershop. I thought I heard some joker yelling, run, run. I looked back over my shoulder. A tall skinny stud in a barber's apron was on the sidewalk. His white spats flashed on his feet. He was screaming and flailing his arms like a minstrel clown singing Mammy. He was loping down the sidewalk. The out-of-fashion bastard was yelping, Son, son! He galloped by the neon lights towards me. His wrinkled brown skin face changed colors like a chameleon. He ran into me and clutched me like I was a winning sweepstakes ticket. He was panting and sweating like a whore on soldier's payday. I could smell witch hazel and the stink of emotional sweat. I saw white specks of Barbara's talc and the bald crown of his head. 
I couldn't see his face. He had it buried in my chest. He was blabbering. Oh, son, precious son. Sweet Jesus answered an old man's prayer. He let me see and hold my one and only son before I go to my heavenly rest. I had the damnedest thought while he made love to me. I wondered if my skull had chipped any paint off that wall he threw me up against when I was six months old. I stiff-armed him away. I stared coldly into his face. I saw a weak blaze of anger light his dull brown eyes. He said, God don't like ugly, son. You saw your father back there. You ignored me, didn't you? I said, shit, no, I didn't see you. I thought you had croaked. Look, Jack, I'm happy to see you, but I'm in an awful hurry. See you around. He said, I did my part to bring you into this world. You ain't going to treat me like a dog. Where do you live? You look prosperous. What's your line? Are you with some big company? Are you married to some nice girl? Do I have any grandchildren, son? I said, you ain't heard about Iceberg Slim? He's famous. He said, you don't associate with black filth like that, I hope. I said, look, Jack, I am Iceberg. Ain't you proud of me? I'm the greatest nigga that ever came out of your family. I got five whores humping sparks out of the asses. I thought he was going to have a heart attack. The apron was quivering over his ticker. He was supporting himself against a lamppost. His face was gray in shock under the streetlight. I jerked my shirt and coat sleeves up past Spike Hollow. I stuck the needle-scarred arm under his nose. He drew back from it. I said, God damn it, Jack, what's the matter? Shit, I shoot more scratch into that arm a day than you make in a week. I've come a long way since you bounced my skull off that wall. Stick your chest out in pride, Jack. I've been in two prisons already. Shit, Jack, I'm on my way to the third any day now. You ain't hip, I'm important. Maybe one of these days I'll really make you a proud father. I'll croak a whore and make the chair. I walked away from him. I caught a cab at the corner. The cabbie U-turned. I looked at my old man. He was sitting on the curb beside the lamppost. His white spats gleamed sparkly in the gutter. He had his head on his knees. I saw his back jerking up and down. The poor joker was bawling his ass off. I got home. I called Sweet. I banged a load of cocaine. It was the best I'd cop since Glass Top went to the joint. Alright, so that's going to be it for my excerpt from this chapter, um, from this book. But, uh, yeah, that chapter alone was a lot going on. A lot of vocabulary that you just got to be able to pick up on. And that's throughout the entire book. Just like how uh, reading Beauvalet for me was an adjustment period. This book definitely had an adjustment period at the beginning. But, um, yeah, once I got into it, I definitely enjoyed it uh he dedicates his entire life to just this career where you can't trust anybody even the women that work for you you can't trust them you have to like pretty much break them down into a form of themselves that's about nothing else but the dollar and yeah, it unfolds in really 
tragic fashion. Like, I can't say that it's a, a good story. It's a really tragic story. I'll say that. Um, definitely go check this book out. I think it's interesting. Um, the idea, like I mentioned, I talked to somebody about this book and they mentioned to me that uh, this became such a prevalent thing where everybody wanted to be a pimp or be involved in this lifestyle. Not only because it was the fast life and it was the social life, but it kind of was like the quickest, easiest thing. The same way that young guys of my generation or gender generations before my own would think that selling drugs or whatever the the hustle is whatever the common hustle is that that's the thing to do and for people back then this was the common hustle uh turning tricks like i think that's really interesting um in the african-american community because so many uh careers and so many chances at public office so many chances at education and opportunity were all fucking exclusively white or just only exclusive to those that really came from wealth or fortune this was the thing this was the hustle this is how you got pimps this is how you got whores because I mean I'm pretty sure in every culture before then there were uh, brothels or whatever kind of um, whatever kind of prostitution but I'm speaking specifically about America why this became such a huge thing because it started off as just the hustle so I thought that like once I was told that I thought that was a really interesting take so definitely go check out this book again it's called Pimp by Iceberg Slim uh, yeah great book Let's see, for music, I have a really dope song for you to hear. So, call me selfish, but it's going to be another song for my album, but the music spotlight isn't myself, actually. I want to highlight a friend of mine that goes by the name of Tone Fats. He's from here in Maryland, the eastern shore side of Maryland, the far-ass side of Maryland, but definitely still a Maryland native. Uh, I met him in college. We've been cool friends ever since. Um, I call myself a rapper. I've always been. But when I met this guy, his ability to freestyle, to just rap about anything in the room, anything that's going on, anything in the present moment, I thought was absolutely fucking amazing. And it like made me step up how I, how I, how I rap, how I view the ability to freestyle as a fucking as a skill set so definitely shout out to him for that that you really used to amaze my mind he would just go on for 10 15 20 minutes just freestyling about anything man shit was crazy um so ever since then we've been we've been down we've been boys we've been working um he's extra talented fucking not only does he do music but the guy's a writer he can do comedy, he does stand-up. He's absolutely fucking hilarious. So yeah, 
Shout out to my boy. This song is called Smoke Break. It is from my album, Double O, from Landover with Love. If you haven't heard it, definitely go check that out. The shit is fire. So without any further ado, here is Tone Facts and myself, Smoke Break. Je ne parle pas de vie. Yeah, I think I need a smoke break. Yeah, I think I need a smoke break. I need a smoke break. I need a smoke break. I think I need a smoke break. I think I need a smoke break. Tell me turn the other cheek so I get hit anyway. They tell me look the other way and still be in my face. Mm. They told me that I can't eat but still give me a plate. Mm. They told me that I shouldn't have any food to waste. And I can't cause I'm hungry. I see my ribs, nigga. Mm. If I see, I get it how it is, nigga. Uh, if you ever see me in the crib, nigga. Nighttime's my active moments, I know I. At the time, my active moments, yeah, I know it. I done had so many scars on me, I can show it. I can show these niggas any place that I be going. Uh, ooh. They tell me stay in my lane, but they gave me highways. They told me I could do the job, not do it my way. Because if I did it how I would do it, shit, then I stuck to my movements. These niggas ruined. Uh, I'm built to handle beef any way I get it. It's dynamic till I R.I.P. Nigga, you know me. It's tons. Ooh. Hey, I think I need a smoke break. I need a smoke break. I need a smoke break. She said break. a nigga make her feel so dynamic. Can I get a smoke break, please? Can I get a smoke break? Hey, yeah. Can I get a smoke break, please? You know I need a smoke break, please. Can I get a, can I get a, yeah, look. Okay, who that nigga heated up the summer talking cold shit? Oh shit, man, I'm a legend and a whole myth. Eve bring an apple to my face, I'm saying no, bitch. My garden forever gonna be fruitful like the old nicks. D-E-R-M-A-I-N-E. Bars from here to Mozambique and back. You can't compete with the facts. Your favorite rapper claiming king, I make him take that shit back. Don't watch his mouth, though, kids. Cool, I did his teeth for the black. I be moody sometimes, but man, it's just how I act. I'm trying to taper my temper, my nigga, cut me some slack. If you're a tailor that was suited just for you, so be glad. Ain't no I in team, but ain't no team in the casket. You ain't got my back, let me know. Don't mask it from the park to the palace. Man, it always been the mission. Need patience and persistence man you can't do no itching sometimes it take time depending how you living or some disney shit man you gotta live your vision you know what you supposed to nothing i forgot to mention bitch you fuck my mans we don't do no double dipping so can i get a smoke break please you know i need a smoke break please can i get a so can i get a